You're listening to another wrestling episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns with your guy, Bully Rye and PJ Steven. That's right, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. It's your guy, Bully Rye, and we are here to talk Wrestle Kingdom 17, the main event. We're going to review or, or kind of discuss the uh, national championship game in, in college football. It took place last week, and we're going to look forward to Wild Card Week in the NFL. But for Wrestle Kingdom 17, we're going to bring in wrestling show co-host, PJ Steven. PJ, you and I have been super excited to do this show. How you doing today, bud? I am fantastic. I'm coming off of a really long day at work. I've been really looking forward to talking about Wrestle Kingdom 17 with you because this event, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, was super fun. And we had great responses on our Wrestle Kingdom uh, 13 episode, which is great. And this is going to be no different, except more recent. Yeah, I actually had a, uh, I had a few people reach out and, and ask me what I thought about Wrestle Kingdom 17 and basically tell me they couldn't wait to hear this show. So uh, let's get right into the opening bell, and let's talk about, I guess, the two main storylines going into Wrestle Kingdom 17. The first one being the return of Kenny Omega. Uh, We actually just did Wrestle Kingdom 13, where he dropped the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship to uh, Kazuchika Okada, I believe, in that show. No, Hiroshi Tanahashi on that show. Uh, that led to uh, essentially all elite wrestling. Um, and Kenny Omega now makes his return to take on Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States Championship. PJ, anything you want to add about this storyline they've got with Omega and Osprey? We saw some seeds planted when uh, when New Japan was allowed a working relationship with AEW. Uh, but anything you want to add about this Omega Osprey uh, showdown here? You pretty much, um, I mean, you pretty much threw it all in. I mean, that's that's basically what that is. Uh, I really cannot wait. Uh, I mean, you talk about long term long term storytelling. You know, there were seats planted even in New Japan, but um, of course, at uh, I think it was World Tag League, uh, Will Ospreay defeated uh, Shota Umino to retain the United States Heavyweight Champion, and man. When Omega's face hit that teleprompter, and or excuse me, hit that uh, Titantron, hit that big screen, that crowd, that silent crowd that everyone likes to joke on, they were loud for their homeboy, Kenny Omega. Because if there's one um, Westerner that turned New Japan upside down, it was Kenny Omega. He was indeed the man that uh, made New Japan cool for a long time. So seeing him come back in the Tokyo Dome, Wrestle Kingdom, just tremendous stuff. Yeah, I said we were going to talk about the top two storylines. We're going to mention a couple other things real quick. Uh, this would be the last uh, the, the show with the last match for the Great Muda, um, otherwise known as, uh, let's see, how to pronounce this? Is it Keiji Mudo? Kenji Mudo, yeah. This is Kenji his last... This is his last New Japan and Tokyo Dome. Uh, no, not no, last Tokyo Dome. But this is his last New Japan match. He still has one more match, which will take place in the Tokyo Dome, which is a six-man tag match with him and Sting versus I can't remember the uh, uh, the other partner, and I can't remember the competitors, but they're from Noah, and um, that will be Kenji, uh, Great Muda Kenji Kenji Muda's last match. Yeah, so we will see his last match in New Japan Pro Wrestling here. 
as well as uh, a, a, sort of a tribute to Antonio Inoki in the um, in in the the main event of the pre-show, if you will. Uh, the other storyline coming from the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, a showdown between the champion Jay White and the challenger once again, Kazuchika Okada. PJ, what what were we looking forward to with this uh, with this showdown here between Okada and Jay White? Uh, I, let me just touch on something real quick because I just now see that it will be the Grant Muda Sting and Darby Allen. Uh, taking on uh, Hakushi Akira and uh, Namamichi Marufuchi. Marufuchi. Oh, that's a, that's a tough one for me. But that will be um, the last match. That will be Great Muda's last match. Great Muda, uh, Great Muda final bye bye event is what they're calling it, January twenty second. So, I mean, I know you don't really love Darby Allen, but that's a big deal a because big, yeah, that's a big Muda, spot for him. I mean. Muda picks these people. It's not being booked, so he picked Darby Allen and Sting to be his his in his last match. That's pretty incredible. Anyway, going back to um, Okada and Jay White again. You're talking about seeds planted. We looked, we saw Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Uh, Jay White defeating Okada in an, in an upset in 14 minutes, and then that skyrocketed Jay White all the way to stardom. Uh, no pun intended, uh, all the way to the IWGP Heavyweight Champion when he defeated to Hiroshi Tanahashi, but then lost to Okada at G1 Supercard, which was Okada's revenge. But then Jay White defeated Okada several times. He was going into that 4-1, and one. Okada 1, uh, Jay White 4. Uh, so the first time in a long time, Okada was your underdog. And you don't see that a whole lot, because Yushiko Okada is usually on top. Um, you don't see him as an underdog too often. So that's why this match was so interesting, and that's why this match was so, so important. Uh, I also don't want to get away from the fact that this was an Antonio Inoki memorial event. He had passed away in October, and um, him being the creator and the godfather of New Japan Pro Wrestling is only fitting that um, the, the Tokyo Dome paid its respects to its father, Antonio Inoki. So I want to throw that in there as well. Great stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show. We're going to take our first break. We come back. We are going to get into break it down and break down this 12-match card that included three pre-show matches and a host of exciting action on the main card. Stay tuned. We'll be right back right here on Tap House and Touchdowns. Established in 2008, One Stop Repairs in North Charleston, South Carolina is your one-stop shop for all your electronic repair needs. Specializing in cell phones, tablets, computers, laptops, and game consoles, One Stop Repairs offers reputable and quality service with the quickest turnaround time and most competitive prices in the Lowcountry. You can find them on Google with an exceptional 4.9 star rating or on Facebook or by searching One Stop Repairs. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs. Call today for a quote at 843-343-6310. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs. All right, everybody, welcome back and welcome to Break It Down, where your guy, Bully Ryan, PJ Steven, are talking Wrestle Kingdom 17. Once again, if you uh, have been living in a rock, took place January 4th, 2023 in the Tokyo Dome in Tokyo, Japan. 
Uh, PJ, pre-show had a couple of uh, unique matches, if you will. To start off, um, I'm not going to be able to pronounce these names. Oleg Bolton mm-hmm. and Ryaway Oyo. Help me pronounce it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oyo. No, Oyo. Oyo. Regardless, it is a three-minute exhibition match. I did not give it a rating. I felt I dug the feel of an amateur wrestling match at times, but not much to talk about. Weird that they would do this here. PJ, how'd you feel about this opening pre-show exhibition? They just wanted to put Oleg on the card, really. Oleg is uh, a, a new young lion that has debuted, and supposedly he is good stuff. And um, I just think he's going to go far eventually. You got to you got to remember who started out as a young lion. Jay White was a young lion. Um, uh, Ren Narita, who was on this card, uh, was a young lion. Um, it's and uh, Carl's and Carl Anderson, young lion. So eventually, I think this guy will do something because uh, I did like his look. But yeah, yeah, they just wanted to put him on the card. He did have a great look. I'll be honest, I, I I agree there with you completely. He did have a good look. Um, leads us into a, the next match. It is the New Japan Rambo to determine who will challenge for the provisional King of Pro Wrestling. 2023 championship at New Year Dash. Uh, the first time I talked about a New Japan Rambo and this King of Pro Wrestling, I needed uh, some uh, some some fill in from you and an explanation. I'm glad that I completely understand this now. Go back and listen to our New J- our, our, our Wrestle Kingdom uh, review that we did for the 2022 uh, Wrestle Kingdom, where we did explain what the King of Pro Wrestling was. Um, we, it's basically New Japan's answer to the Royal Rumble, where you can win by pinfall or submission to eliminate opponents. Uh, listen to the list of who we've got in this New Japan Rambo. Uh, PJ, if I butcher some names, you gotta you gotta help me out here. We've got Show Hikuleo, uh, big boy. It looks like a newcomer here in New Japan. Evil Tomohiro Ishii. Great Khan, who is coming in as the Rev Pro British Heavyweight Champion. Uh, you've got Dookie, Rocky Romero, Kenta, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, Aaron Inari, Rasuki Taguchi, Jeff Cobb, Shane Haste, Mikey mm-hmm. Nichols, Yujiro Takahashi, Toru Yano, El Fantasmo Taichi, and your boy, Shingo Takagi. That was a really good job, yeah. I, I always butcher Hikaleo's name, and um, uh, I'm glad you got that right, because uh, that's a hard one. I like – do you know who Shane Haste and Mike and Nicholas are? They are They are in the – not the United Empire, are they? Are no, they do you remember, they... you remember, you remember the tag team in NXT, TM61? No way. That's these guys. Yeah, that's that's their, their, their indie name was the um, – Oh my God, the mighty, the mighty have fallen. I think is what it was called. Anyway, um, we, oh no, the mighty don't kneel. That's why their name is MDK. Um, but uh, TM, yeah, TM, TMDK, yeah, TMDK and, is their is their faction. Yeah, and we see, and we actually see an addition to TMDK uh, later on in this event that we'll get to. But uh, that's who Shane Haste and uh, Mikey um, Nicholas are. I'm a big fan, especially Shane Haste. He's a star. Love that dude. Well, how'd you feel about this New Japan Rambo here at Wrestle Kingdom 
17. I mean, I look forward to it every year because you never know who's going to be in it. Uh, I love that uh, it's for the KOPW title. Uh, and, of course, your winners. Um, the last four who are standing, of course, are Toriano, Sho, Great Okan, and then my man, Shingo Takagi, which is super, super fun. Always good to see Takagi on top. I, I gave it two stars. It, it was a fun match. I gave it I gave it uh, a one star. I said it was about you what ex- what you would expect on the special. I did like seeing Hikuleo for the first time. Um it was a sweet spot to see him get eliminated. Uh Evil was unique. The Evil was the first first guy eliminated in this match. Um you know how I love about Toriyano. Um I also should uh, it, we would be remiss if we did not mention the fact that they're actually going to the uh, the King of Pro Wrestling Championship belt. They they did a uh, they they did a promo where they showed all these trophies that were just smashed uh, for the King of Pro Wrestling KOPW, and have finally done away with the trophy, and they are uh, basically putting together a championship title. Uh, so pretty cool that they finally gone this route. Uh, finally, the main event of the undercard of the pre-show, if you will, it is. Uh, coined as the Antonio Inoki Memorial six man tag match. I should mention the uh, the the Rambo went thirty minutes thirty seven seconds. Uh, this six man tag ma- match went nine minutes ten seconds. You get a team of Yuji Nagata, Satoshi Kojima, and Togi Makabe. Did I get did I get that right? Is it Makabe? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, taking on Tatsumi Fujinami, Minoru Suzuki, and Tiger Mask. Um. PJ, first and foremost, I love Tiger Mask's Tiger Mask. Um, oh, it's I I love his entire getup. I love it. Yeah, I uh, you know you you look at you look at some of the old guys that we've seen in matches in WWE and WCW. These are the old timers here in this match. Unfortunately, you see Fujinami. I just feel like he can barely walk in this match. Like he just doesn't look like he can even move. Um. I didn't really like the match at all, uh, but you look at the caved-in chest of Yuji Nagata towards the end of the match, um, and it started making me think, is you get a lot of chops here in New Japan. And I started to wonder if guys like Nagata, Jericho, Kofi Kingston, Scott Steiner, you know, I wonder if part of the reason their chest cave in is because of all the punishment they take from taking all these chops for all these years. Nevertheless, I gave this match a star and a half, um, you see the team of Nagata, Kojima, and Makabe going over here. PJ, how'd you feel about this uh, Antonio Inoki Memorial Six Man Tag Team match? I give it two stars. Um, I love the talent in the in the ring. I mean, this is legendary. And um, Tatsumi Fujami, yeah, he's sixty nine years old. He's gonna move a little rough. He moved better than Ric Flair, I'll say. Um, yeah. Just just wanted to get six old timers out there just to pay respects to um, a fallen hero in Antonio Inoki, and um, and you know who moved really good, man. Tiger Mask was moving really well for I think he's fifty two. I mean he was still sweeping the leg, he was still moving quick, but yeah, Fujami Fujami did look a little rough, but you know you're gonna have that. Still a good match. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, we have reached the end of the pre-show. We are now to the main card, and we start off with the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, Leo 
uh, Leo Rush is, is what we know him as. Leo and Yo are challenging uh, for uh, catch two two or basically catch twenty two. Um, it's uh, what's what's this faction again? The uh, they're not part of the they're um, the United uh, United, United Empire. Empire. Yep, the team of of TJP and Francesco or Francesco Akira. I'm probably butchering Francesco. Um, TJP was unrecognizable to me here as part of the United Empire. Nevertheless, uh, Catch-22, the champions defending against Leo and Yo. Uh, 10 minutes, 29 seconds is what this match got. Um, I'll give you my notes real quick. Leo started off the match with a dive that he almost died right away. Um I, I mentioned TJP unrecognizable. Looks like he got old very quickly. Um, Leo Rush would get busted open in, in this match. Um, something I was not expecting to see, uh, see here. Pretty decent match with a so-so finish. PJ, I gave this match two and a half stars. How'd you feel about this match? Uh, the opening match on Wrestle Kingdom 17. Yeah, here we go. Let's really get into it. So I gave this match three stars. I I wanted more. Honestly, I wanted more. These guys were really putting on a great show. I love the team of Lilo Rush and Yo. I kind of wanted them to go over here. Um, they were your super junior tag team uh, tournament winners. So, of course, they got to challenge for the um, junior tag team champion. Um, loved it. Loved the match. I really, really did. And Lilo Rush, man, I, I get so sick of seeing these fans just shit on him about when's he going to retire again? Well, he retired once. He's going to retire again. He's garbage. He's, the, you know, man, like, Wrestling is a fucking tough sport, man. Like, in my, in my opinion, you can retire and come back all you fucking want. Like, who gives a shit? Um, I get really hot about that. I really do. I shouldn't let the fucking IWC really fucking get to me, but it's getting it's it's obnoxious. And we're going to get into it hardcore later on in this in this uh, event. But um, not you and me, by the way. Well, we might. You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. I don't not. know. But um, but now I just get so sick of that because Lilo Rush is a fucking treasure, dude. He's such a great worker. And, um, and he really proved it right here in the Tokyo Dome, and I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, three stars for this match. I do think the right people did go over, even though I would like to see Lilo Rush with an IWGP title, but um, nah, man, you can't take the titles off Catch-22 right now. TJP and um, Akira are, are running running that junior tag team division, and I love it. Yeah, again, 10 minutes, 29 seconds. Probably could have gone a little longer, um, but we got to make way for the uh, first women's one-on-one -on -one match. In the Tokyo Dome since 1994, we have an IWGP Women's Championship match. Kyrie, formerly known as Kyrie Zane, taking on Tam Nakano. PJ, I'm going to let you start us off here because I gave this match three stars. It was a really good match. Um, but I wanted you to start us off here because we got some uh, we got some special, special Gaga at the end of this match. But how would you feel about the match itself? the IWGP Women's Championship. All I can write, all the first thing I wrote was, man, it, it, it it's really, really cool to see this. I mean, I got the same feeling when um, I believe it was Sasha Banks and Natalia. No, no, no. Who was it? The first, the first ladies who fought. Maybe it was Lisey Evans and Natalia. Anyway, the, I got that same feeling with the first ladies that wrestled in Saudi Arabia. Um, I got the I got the feeling of the first ladies who made it into the WrestleMania. I mean, 
it was it was that big and it felt that big big match feel and i love it um that being said i kept writing i want more i want more because um man what a great match but i i just i wanted it to go a little bit longer i wanted a little bit more but i get that they uh had to cut it short because of what comes after yeah this Kennedy. match goes f- five minutes 56 seconds to your yeah. point uh, um, and, you know, Ky- Kyrie, Kyrie, man, her, uh, I think, it, I think it's called the hook, um, or the cutlass that she hits that backhand, that cutlass man. And like, it rocks town, um, brings her down and we get the insane am- uh, elbow. Love it. One, two, three. And yeah, there would were... you like, would you like to go into what happens? If you don't mind, I do want to mention there was a Nakano top rope spot to the outside where I thought, felt like they were going to die. Um, there's a suplex driver. I think this is what you're talking about. It's so brutal looking. A really good match again. I gave it three stars. But the lights go out as Kyrie begins to celebrate, and we get some uh, we get some new theme music here. And it was uh, you hear money money come across in this music, and you get the debut of Mercedes money, otherwise known as WWE's Sasha Banks. Uh, this is maybe the worst kept secret in all of professional wrestling that Sasha Banks was going to make her debut at Wrestle Kingdom 17 in the Tokyo Dome, and she would come out and essentially face off with Kyrie. Um, and that's exactly what we got. Mercedes Monet is now in New Japan Pro Wrestling and has made it clear that she will be the first challenger post Wrestle Kingdom for this women's championship, and she got a decent pop despite some reports that the crowd did not know who she was. I feel like that was a farce, um, but she did come in and hit her new finisher, which is a really cool move if it weren't for Kyrie botching it uh, when she took it. Uh, but I digress. She, she cuts a nice little promo. Uh, she says that, that um, you can bank on the fact that she's coming for the title, et cetera, et cetera. But probably, arguably, the biggest women's superstar from WWE to defect to another company. Um, and, I mean, you can even argue that, like, there hasn't been anybody from WWE that's gone to, to AEW that's been this seismic. Like, even, even Paige's debut in AEW, doesn't really equate to what we saw here from 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 Mercedes Monet. I mean, would you agree, or would you think that this is the biggest? I mean, because yeah, Paige was great for a while until she obviously couldn't stay healthy. Um, she was forced to retire and then come out of retirement to go to AEW. But I feel like Sasha Banks was the biggest women's star in WWE to defect and, and debut somewhere else. No argument. No argument at all. Um, it was really hard to sit back and watch these people um, just shit on all that Sasha Banks and all that Monet, Mercedes Monet has accomplished in her entire wrestling career to take a move to go to another country to debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I mean, it takes a lot of balls, man. And it. it I mean, she looked great. People were shitting on anyone, anything that they could. Her hair, her attire, the botched finish. But really, it wasn't 
It wasn't. It wasn't her that botched the finish. Kyrie went down too soon. Shit happens, man. Um, you move past it. Her promo was great. I cannot wait for Battle of the Valley um, for her, with her and Kyrie. I don't. Do I think she's gonna win the title right off the rip? No, I don't. I don't think so at all. I think Kyrie's oh, gonna keep that belt. No but, way. She she gets the title. You think so? They don't. Right off the rip? They don't. They don't bring her in and not put the title on her right off right off the bat, especially J- because Japan's because that though, man Japan's yeah, but. They're they're doing the Battle of the Valley. That's going to be in California, correct? Like I just, yes. I don't see they're bringing her in in her first match in New Japan in the states and her not winning the title. There's no way they don't put her over. So, well, I honestly hope you because I hope she does get the belt because she deserves it. But you know, I agree completely. Well, that brings us to another championship match here. Uh, we are moving right along in this card. This time is for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. Bishamon, did I did I pronounce that right? Hiroki, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi taking on the defending champions FTR, Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, a match that went 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Um, if it weren't for the double main event, this would tie for my, my favorite match on the card. I love this match. Uh, PJ, tell us what you thought about this IWGP heavyweight tag team championship match here between Bishamon and FTR. First of all, it was great seeing some hometown boys, some Carolina boys in the fucking Tokyo Dome. How great was that? Oh, it's fantastic. I love it. Love hearing FTR's theme in the Tokyo Dome. I mean, just, just great stuff. And I'm such a big fan of Goto and especially Yoshihashi. Um, I think he, you know... Uh, I think he should move up in the card. Honestly, he's a great he's a great competitor. Um, that being said, it was kind of sad to see FTR lose here, but um, I totally get it. They're probably on their way back to the E. Maybe I don't know with the new with the new news that's come out, which I don't really yeah, want to get into because this no. is a Japanese show, and uh, we could talk about that another time. We definitely but, uh, will. But still, great match. I wanted more. I wanted longer. I wanted more. But it was still really, really good. I also wrote in my notes, did you hear Kevin Kelly used to say, um, we all know that the Wrestling Observer is a fake magazine. Yeah, I and love he, it. You know, Oh my god, I laughed so hard. I loved it. Great match, though. I, I gave it three and a half stars. Especially considering how much Dave Meltzer loves the gargle on the nuts of all New Japan. The fact that Kevin Kelly took a massive shit on him in the show makes me so happy. Um, that being said, uh, Cash Wheeler hits a, hits a suicide dive that was really crazy that I wasn't expecting. Um, I thought it was over, um, but Hashi broke up the, the pin after the big rig. Um, there was a suplex that took place over the top rope that was really ugly, and the crowd got really hot for this match. It was so awesome. Great finish. Like you said, I I understand why FTR dropped the title here. They already dropped the Ring of Honor tag team titles. Now they've dropped the IWGP. I don't know if they dropped the AAA tag team titles yet. But again, we've talked about this in previous shows. A missed opportunity not to put the AEW tag titles on them while they were the champions of three of, of yeah three other promotions. Uh, but I digress. They lose the championships here. Uh, and and what a great match! I gave this match four stars. BJ, out of curiosity, how many stars did you give this match? Yeah, I gave I gave it three and a half. Yeah, I loved it. 
Um, a match that I wasn't expecting or a match that I was expecting to like a little more and I didn't was the uh, the next match on the card, the tournament final for the inaugural New Japan Pro Wrestling World Television Championship. Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Ren Narita. Um, I'll give you my notes because I only wrote one. It was a decent match just for whatever reason. I couldn't find myself getting into it. Um, if Zack Sabre Jr. works on the arm throughout the match, ends up getting a submission finish on the sa- on set arm to win the inaugural television championship. Um, we have some stuff that happens at the end of this match. I gave this match two and a half stars. It was good, not great, uh, in my opinion. PJ, how'd you feel about this match? And why don't you tell us what happens post-TV championship match? I actually really, really enjoyed this match. I would have given it four stars if Ren Narita would have went over. Uh, I don't think the right person won. I think that this was Narita's time. Um, you put a new belt on him. But I get why. Well, I don't know. I don't get why. They sh- I know my statement stands. Ren Narita should have went on or should have went over. But really, really cool match. I really enjoyed it. Nice little break from all the action. Uh, three and a half stars. Now at the very end, because Suzuki Goon has disbanded, Zack Sabre Jr. was teamless, if you want to say that, uh, factionless. So his uh, brothers, if you want to say. runner buddies. His yep. old running brothers come, came in, who is TMDK, old Shane Hayes, and old Mick that we just talked about a little while ago. They offered him a shirt into the group, and he took it which is really, really great. And that's really cool to see. I can't wait for that trio ends up going in. And honestly, um, I hope that that elevates TMDK uh, to uh, more prominent areas on the card because they're a great tag team and they deserve it. So, yeah, fun stuff. Yeah, I think I think it will. Um, like I said, I... I wish I would have been able to get into this match a little more, and I can't explain why I didn't. Um, you gave it three and a half stars. I gave it two and a half stars. It's probably the biggest disagreement we've had uh, on a on a match rating uh, since we started doing this. But but I digress. Um, really good stuff here, and I I do like the look of this new championship belt. Um, yeah, there we go to the next match on the card. Um, this. This match carries a lot of weight because it is the first time a WWE contracted wrestler will compete at Wrestle Kingdom. The never open weight championship on the line. I should mention the TV championship went 10 minutes, 32 seconds. The never open weight championship match uh, are, is on the line. Nine minutes, 35 seconds. This match goes Tama Tonga challenging Carl Anderson for the never open weight championship. Um, obviously we're going to get to it, but with Kenny Omega being on the card, we will see a WWE contracted wrestler and an AEW contracted wrestler both wrestle on a New Japan Pro Wrestling show. It's a really big deal when you talk about the quote-unquote forbidden door. Uh, I gave this match three and a half stars. I loved it. Um, I, I do want to mention, I do love the fact when he does his machine gun intro, that everybody in the ring always ducks. It, it just it makes me laugh every time. Um, it honestly felt like a squash to start. I forgot what they called it, but it was that Rikishi driver on the ramp to Tamatanga looked vicious. Um, I think they botched the shit out of the finish. Even Kevin Kelly didn't know what to say. Know what to say. 
Three and a half stars would I give this match. PJ, how'd you feel about Carl Anderson versus Tama Tonga? I really enjoyed it. Botch aside, I mean, it's a four-star match to me, and it, this history is being made right here in front of us. Uh, a great match, and I'm a big fan of uh, Tom Punk anyway, so good stuff. Yeah, kind really of, fun. Kind, kind of um, predictable, Yeah, but, I mean, we knew what was going to happen. Yeah, with, with Carl Anderson being under contract, he had, a, he had an idea that he wasn't going to keep this title much longer, um, and so he does drop the title here to Tama Tonga. Next up on the card, we get the end of an era. The Great Muda's last New Japan Pro Wrestling match. It is a six-man tag team match that goes nine minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, Kenji Mudo, otherwise known as the Great Muda, teaming up with Hiroshi Tanahashi and Shota Umino, uh, taking on Los Ingobernables de Japón, a team featuring Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, and Bushi. Uh, PJ... How'd you feel about the six man tag that would be the last time we would see Kenji Muto in New Japan Pro Wrestling? State of the art six man tag. Um, but good stuff. I you know it I like how Tetsuya Naito is involved in all these, but man, I really want him the title picture, and that's all I can write, which is like Tetsuya Naito needs that belt around him again. That being said, this is a pretty good match. I give it three and a half stars. Shota Umino is a future star. Yeah, listen, um, I'm sort of glad Muda's hanging it up because I didn't think he looked good here. I did enjoy the match for what it was supposed to be. I did give it three stars. Um, but at the same time, like, it just, it looked rough looking. It, it always looks rough watching guys that are past their prime and aging try to keep it up, keep up. And, I mean, there was a fun spot where he went to go hit the uh, hit a moonsault and Hiroshi Tanahashi approaches him in the corner. was like, hey, bud, like, you ain't a young chicken anymore. Why don't you get down from there? I um, love that. I, I love you going, hey, bud. But, you know, it's funny you mention that because the six-man tag, you know, he didn't move that great. But then in the match with him and Nakamura earlier this year, he was fantastic. It was a great match. So it's just, just you know, he, he's old. That's the way it is. Yeah. That, be, that being that being said, I'm I, I totally agree with you. He should be hanging it up. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that like, okay, we get it. It's you you know, I'm glad you're getting a farewell tour like Jushin Thunder Liger did. He de- if anybody deserves it, it's guys like Jushin Thunder Liger and the Great Muda getting these farewell tours from the Japanese audience. Um that being said, the next match is not a farewell tour for anybody. Um, you get the four-way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. It goes 16 minutes, 43 seconds. Uh, Taiji Ishimori will be defending against Hiromu Takahashi, El Desperado, and Master Wado. I don't know about you. Every time I hear Master Wado, I'm thinking I'm expecting to see an old dude, and it's definitely not an old guy, is Master Wado. Um, I only wrote three three match uh, three notes for this match. Uh, loved Ishimori's match uh, mask at his entrance. Really great high flying stuff. Um, there's a crucifix buster that Master Wado hit late in this match. Oh my god, it was that so was good, phenomenal. And then it got so crazy at the end. What a finish! I gave this match four stars. PJ, how'd you feel about the Junior Heavyweight Championship Fatal Four Way here? Oh, it, four and a half stars for me. I love it. Was shades of 
Wrestle Kingdom 14, maybe, or maybe even 12. Um, the Fatal 4-Way for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion that saw uh, Marty Scroll, Will Ospreay, Kushida, and Takahashi on that match. And I loved this match so, so much. I really wanted Mastawato to win. I'm a big fan of his. I don't know why I went I went for the underdogs a lot in this uh, in this particular Wrestle Kingdom. But, man, I wanted him to win really, really bad. But still, great match. Fantastic, fantastic talent. And it really made you believe that Wado was going to win, which is great. When I think of Master Wado, I think of Wado from uh, Tatooine from the Phantom Menace. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Yeah, no. Like you said, Wado doesn't go over. Hiromi Takahashi takes the championship off of Taiji Ishimori and becomes your new IWGP junior heavyweight champion. Uh, and there we go. PJ, we've got two matches on this card, and um, I don't really know how to segue because they're two of the greatest matches that I've seen. Um, they are two of the uh, obviously greatest matches of the year thus far, being that we're only one week and a half into 2023. Let's start off with this match. The IWGP United States Championship, once again, Kenny Omega returning to the motherland uh, of Tokyo, Japan, the motherland, if you will, taking on the champion, Will Ospreay. Uh, bad blood here. It's been, seeds have been planted for quite some time, uh, but we finally get a payoff here with this one-on-one -on -one match here in the Tokyo Dome. PJ, how did you feel about this match between Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay. It told, first of all, it told one of the best stories that I've seen in a long time. Uh, the psychology of the match, the stiffness of the match. This this match was strong style um, in its highest regard. Loved, loved the Sephiroth uh, entrance by Kenny Omega. That was just so fun. I marked out and by the way, guys, you guys should know this about me by now. I wake up at 2 in the morning for this shit. Oh, yeah, he does. And, and I'm, I'm marked out at 5 in the morning, two, 5, 5.30, whatever it was, in the morning when I heard Elevate, uh, the Aerial Assassin old theme for Will Ospreay. I was so stoked. It was great. Um, so that was the entrances. The match itself, man, I loved the finish, a callback to Ibushi to Kenny Omega's great friend and to someone who has a great rivalries with Osprey. Um, and then, of course, we get the one-winged angel. But, man, the back and forth, the DDT on the turnbuckle. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, was, man. Well, it was gets, so, it was so brutal, gets, dude. Yes, it was. Osprey gets busted open quick here. Um but, you know, it, it wasn't so one-sided either. It, it was Osprey trying his hardest to keep up with Kenny Omega and proving that he could. Omega was just better for those three seconds. And, uh, I mean, this match got five stars, ten stars, fifteen stars. It, it, it's tremendous. Yeah. Um, I did write a few notes in here. Um, obviously, Omega getting the big return entrance was a big deal. You already mentioned the top rope DDT. Uh, Osprey bleeding like a stuck pig. And Omega used his face to finish putting a hole 
in a table on the outside of the ring early in the early in the match. Uh, Kenny Omega hits a double stop, but basically on top of Osprey that puts a hole in the table, and thus um, eventually, after Osprey's been cut open, sort of slams his face through the table. Just a really fun spot here. I love that when when he's just slamming it in there. I mean, and I I love the spot too, where Omega picks up the table, looks through it, or it just remind me of The Shining and how much I love that movie. Oh yeah, um, you get a. I thought Osprey. I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I I wrote in my notes quote. Oh my god, I thought he was gonna break Osprey's neck with that German suplex off the top rope. That was super nerve wracking. Um, you get a bunch of really cool, uh, move reversals. You get a styles clash in this match. Um, the finish I think was perfect. The defiant Osprey, um, screaming at Omega and Omega putting him out of his misery to, to win the United States championship back is his, his, I believe is his second reign after he won the inaugural United States championship, uh, Big stuff here. Um, absolutely insane match with an insane finish. Five stars is what I'm giving this match as well. But we aren't done. We get the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match to close the show where Kazuchika Okada will challenge Jay White. Uh, PJ, I'm gonna let you start us off here again because you're you're the new Japan guru, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cede the floor to you. Because it's another five-star match here that they put on after a five-star match. How would you feel about Okada and Jay White here at Wrestle Kingdom 17? Okay, so when you talk about this main event, IWGP, World Heavyweight Championship on the line, Jay White, your champion, coming in against your G1 Climax winner, because you should go Okada, in the Antonio Inoki Memorial, Wrestle Kingdom. Wow. First of all, what a mouthful. Second of all, you know that this match is going to be great right off the rip. You have two of the best in New Japan right now. Two of the best wrestlers in the business right now as your main event. It's going to be good no matter what. Um, I loved the I loved the fact that, again, I mentioned this earlier, I love the fact that we really do feel like Okada is the underdog there. We keep getting reminded that that Jay White has beat him four times, that Jay White can, knows how to get under uh, Okada um, to the match. Uh, Slow-paced at first, but then we really start building up. Um, loved the... Uh, we get a Jay White Rainmaker, <laughs> and then we get a Blade Runner from Okada. Wow! Yeah. Didn't think that was ever going to happen. Um, we get the Money Clip... Uh, which I never really enjoy, but for some reason here it felt really nice and was it was well executed. Um, we finally get several Rainmakers uh, for the win. Uh, by the way, the Osprey and Omega match went 34 minutes, 38 seconds. This match went 33 minutes and 3 seconds. And, I mean, it, it felt like it was 5 minutes. It was so fast-paced. More fast-paced. Well, not more fast-paced than the Omega and Osprey, but at times it was. Um but I thought it was just tremendous. This is another five-star match. Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, <laughs> there was there was a front suplex of the ring apron um, that looked really like just – it. there was no soft landing anywhere around it. 
Um, no, not at all. These, these guys struggled, and I loved watching these guys fight to try to hit their finishers. Um, I freaked out when Jay White kicked out of the Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Okada finally hits the Rainmaker at the end uh, to get the win. A phenomenal match. Five stars once again. Um, I don't know how they do it, man. Like, it's just... It's insane. The 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 kind of talent they can put on these New Japan shows. And you wonder why some of the stuff in the States have been just so... I don't know, restricted in a way. But, but nevertheless... Fantastic main event. Fantastic double main event. Uh, PJ, uh, give this show a, a full, full-on full rating here. Well, hold on, because we're missing the Gaga at the end for a little bit. So not only do we get um, Jay White almost showing a sign of respect to Kajushika Okada after the win. Uh, oh, by the way, something else in my notes was I love the Rainmaker's camera spot from Omega, but I love that Jay White also did one too. That was oh, fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I love the little sign of respect that we get from Jay White, and it's almost a... It's almost a... Uh, a sign that he might be hitting other other promotions, other maybe hitting hitting the States. I'm not sure. Uh, because he did challenge Hukaleo uh, to a um, Loser Leaves New Japan match. So that has me very curious. But... Um, or we're just getting a babyface turn for Jay White, or it was just a show of respect, uh, and we move on. So I, also- yeah, I, I should mention, like, I guess I completely over, over, you know, glazed over it. Um, he did a really good job of just selling how beat and down and broken he was, and so mm-hmm. he gets up like hugging uh, Okada as he um, struggles to get to his feet. Yeah, it's it was. Yeah, it was it was a fun little spot there at the end. We also got my my dude coming out, Shingo Takagi, and um, more or less telling Okada that you know he wants his he wants his chance back. He wants his belt back. Um, the King of Pro Wrestling wants his belt back. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I do hope that Shingo Takagi eventually gets another title shot. Yeah, um, to answer I'm your right question, there with you. yeah. To answer your question, this is a nine point seven out of ten. Huh? Yeah, I'll uh, listen. I'll take it, man. Yeah, this uh, I there wasn't really like a bad match on the card, right? Like, obviously, I mentioned the opener on the pre-show was just a, a way to get old dude on the on the 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 show. Um, yeah, I'd give this match. I'd give this whole card probably scale of one to five. Somewhere between four and a half and five stars. I mean, when you have bangers like Okada and Osprey, uh, and and I'm sorry, Okada, White and Omega Osprey to back to back finish a show, um, you can't really, you can't do much more to uh, to to overdo it. So what a what a fantastic show. Um, I hate we couldn't get Dingo on the show to review Wrestle Kingdom 17. We will get him back to do another show with us. Uh, but PJ, before I let you go uh, so that we could go to the main event, I wanted to thank you once again for not only getting me into New Japan, 
um, but for allowing me to to watch these shows with you and to talk about them because it's some of these New Japan shows are some of the best wrestling we I've ever seen. And so uh, so thank you for bringing me into the New Japan world, if you will. And thank you once again for being on the show to talk about it with me today. You are quite welcome because I sure do love it, man. It is so, so fun. And I love the feeling of getting up. You know, I feel like Patrick from SpongeBob when he's like, oh, boy, 3 a.m. and eats the Krabby Patty. That's me at 3 a.m. <laughs> oh, boy, New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's how I feel. Well, hopefully everybody enjoyed us listening. Or easy for me to say words are hard. Hopefully everybody enjoyed listening to us talk about Wrestle Kingdom 17. Because we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we are going to shift gears. And we are going to talk football. We are going to look back at what was the biggest victory in a national championship game in college football history. And we are going to look forward to this weekend's wild card NFL matchups. So stay tuned for the main event. We'll be right back right here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns. That's right, everybody. It's the main event of the show. We are talking football, football, football. Uh, let's go ahead and get started off before we get into the National Championship game. The contest that we were doing on ESPN.com uh, where you could pick against me. Uh, unfortunately for all of you, your guy, Bully Rye, finished three games ahead of everybody in the rankings. I won. Once again, the second consecutive year that no one was able to outpick me in the NFL games. I finished the season 168 and 95. Reek would finish in second place at 165 at 104. Volley Polly of Polly's Pickums podcast would finish 155 and 114. Buck would sit at 141 and 107. Sam 118 and 79. I should mention. Uh, congratulations to Sam. She did an eliminator, an eliminator challenge um, throughout uh, this season where she picked different winners every week and could not repeat winners. And she went the entire season and split a sizable pot. So if she ever listens to this, congratulations to you because that that's, that's impressive. Um, nevertheless, uh, hopefully you all were able to do like me and get back into the football mood after what took place uh, with DeMar Hamlin last Monday. The greatest news in the world came out. He is back home in Buffalo, more than likely will be attending the Buffalo home playoff game, uh, but really, really exciting stuff there and happy to see him um, with, with that, I guess, the at least for the time being, the clean bill of health and the ability to uh, to move, uh, to go back home. Um, also real quick, I did the, uh, the, I also did a capital one bowl mania challenge on ESPN.com. Um, I did one tap outs and touchdowns bowl challenge. Uh, congratulations to Josh Barry, who won the bowl challenge going 29 and 14 your guy started off 11 and one and finished tied for fourth. Uh, you've got Alex Mims 28 and 15 and Davey Rios at 27 and 16 to finish the top three. So congratulations to those folks. 
Uh, before we get into picking some playoff football this weekend, we're going to have to go back and talk about the college football national championship that took place this past Monday. Uh, listen, I told you we were going to make picks last week, but I was going to come back, and you can believe me or not, I told people from the beginning, beginning of the year, I told people at the beginning of the playoffs that uh, you might as well put Georgia and Michigan in the national championship game because they're clear above and beyond better than everybody else in the field. And I still believe that to this day. Because as I predicted, Georgia absolutely dog-walked TCU in the national championship game. If you've been living under a rock, Georgia won this game 65-7. to It is the largest victory, largest margin of victory in any bowl game all time in college football history, which obviously means it's the greatest uh, point differential in a national championship game. Um, listen, this game was over with eight minutes left to go in the first quarter. I mean, just absolutely insane how, how Georgia dominated this game. But if you watch them play out throughout the year, especially watching them struggle and nearly near, very, very nearly uh, avoid losing to Ohio State in their semifinal game. You knew Georgia was going to come out angry, and that's what they did. Um, they were able to, to just absolutely dominate TCU. Um, I think this game would have been more competitive with Michigan instead of TCU, but I digress. Georgia has built something special under Kirby Smart, so congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs, back-to-back national champions, and an undefeated season, only the third team in NCAA history to go 15-0 and 0, uh, on their way to a national championship. Uh, that being said, there were some moves in the NFL this past weekend, uh, and the playoffs are set. The Lions, my, my you know, homer pick, uh, they were able to keep Green Bay out of the playoffs with a win in Lambeau Field and what seems like it's going to be Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Packer at Lambeau Field. Unfortunately, with a week three or a week four, four loss to the Seattle Seahawks, 48-45, to 45, Seattle would beat the Rams uh, behind some questionable officiating decisions in that game. Uh, Seattle would beat the L.A. Rams in overtime, and they would make the playoffs. And so your wild card weekend is set. We are going to go through and pick these games. First of all, on Saturday, the Seahawks at the Niners. The Niners are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. This game plays at 4.30 p.m. Saturday, January 14th. Uh, listen, the Niners are going to win. Uh, they're, it's going to be convincing. But a nine-and-a-half-point spread in a playoff game is a lot. I think Seattle covers, uh, but I think the score is going to be closer than this game actually is. Uh, I like San Francisco to win. I don't like them to win by 10 points or more. Give me the Seahawks with the points, but with the 49ers winning outright. Another team that got into the playoffs at the last minute, the AFC South Championship game, essentially. Last weekend, Tennessee against Jacksonville. Jacksonville had to come from behind and win that game, and they are now in the playoffs traveling out west. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They're hosting this game because they won a division. The 9-8 Jags are hosting the 10-7 L.A. Chargers, 8-15 Saturday night. 
The Chargers are a two and a half point favorite. Listen, Jacksonville went out to LA earlier this season and dominated the Chargers. The Chargers also played their starters last week. And Mike Williams is banged up. Joey Bosa off an injury is now banged up. Um, they're lucky they play this game at 815. They get the whole week to prepare. Listen, I like the Chargers despite what everything that I just said about injuries. I like the Chargers to come in and avenge their blowout loss to Jacksonville earlier this season. Uh, Jacksonville obviously came from worst to first in the AFC South. That's not saying much because that div- that division is so terrible. Uh, but yeah, give me the Chargers to cover this two and a half on the road. I like the Chargers to beat Jacksonville. Uh, you get three games on Sunday. It starts off at one o'clock. The Dolphins at the Bills. The Bills a nine-point favorite over the Dolphins, who by winning against the Jets last week. Uh, we're able to get into the playoffs and knock a couple teams out. Listen, the the Bills struggled with New England for a while last week. I want to say they're over this emotional roller coaster that, that they spent the last week and a half on with wondering what was going to happen with DeMar Hamlin. I think the fact that Hamlin is back at home, Buffalo is going to be in the right state of mind, and now they're going to have motivation to go out and win it for DeMar Hamlin. So despite this nine-point spread – uh, we don't know if Tua Tagovailoa is going to be playing a quarterback for the Dolphins. I don't think it matters at this point. Give me the Bills with the nine to dominate this game and head into the divisional round. Next up at 4.30 on Sunday, the Giants travel to the Vikings. A, the Vikings 13-4, and four, the Giants 9-7-1. and one. Uh, Listen, it's one of those things that I picked early in the season. I picked the Giants to be in the playoffs. Uh, I did not pick the Eagles to be there, however. Um, but I had the Minnesota winning their division, and here they are, a three-point favorite, a three-point home favorite in the playoffs. Um, my gut says to take the Vikings because they're a really good football team. But everybody could pass on the Vikings. I'm going to take them to cover the three-point spread, but I don't feel comfortable about it. Uh, the fact that you don't know really – who New York is going to have to throw the ball to. They rested starters, if I'm not mistaken, last weekend. So they should be nice and well-rested. But sometimes resting your starters are going to take away from the the momentum and the reps and the rhythm that you get into during a season. So give me the Vikings to win this game uh, outright and win it, win it by three or more points. Give me the Vikings over the Giants. Last up, Sunday night football, a rematch of the season finale between these two teams. This The Baltimore Ravens, Ravens travel back to the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals, a seven-point home favorite, the champions of the AFC North. Uh, yeah, listen, similar to what Buffalo went through, uh, Cincinnati back on the field that DeMar Hamlin collapsed. Uh, there should not be a Lamar Jackson in this game. Um. I don't know how the Ravens have done it. This, I, I guess maybe behind a good de- a good defense, they were able to win 10 games this year, finish the season 10 and 7. Give me Cincinnati to win this game by 10 or more. I just – they did it last weekend. They're going to do it again this weekend. Give me the Bengals to, to dominate the Ravens. Yeah, they won last week 27 
to 16, and now they, they come in as a seven-point favorite. Uh, wash, wrench, repeat here uh, for the Bengals on Sunday night football. Wild Card Weekend wraps up Monday, January 16th, as the Cowboys travel to the Bucks. The Cowboys, a three-point favorite Monday night football, 8-15 kickoff. Um, listen, the Cowboys looked bad. I mean, they looked really bad in their season finale. Uh, I don't know how else, to, how else to put it. I mean, the commanders dominated the Cowboys, and it's not like the Cowboys were resting players. Um, I think they're banged up. I think they, they hit their peak early in the season, despite how bad Tampa Bay has been. Tampa Bay hosts the game after winning the NFC South with a losing record. Give me the Bucks with the upset to take out the Cowboys on Monday Night Football and advance to the divisional round to give Tom Brady one more week as a buck. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited. Playoff football is some of the best TV, um, and and I, I can't wait for it. I am here for it. I should also congratulate the Gamecock men's basketball team. Uh, as of this recording, they have knocked off Kentucky at, uh, at Kentucky uh, for the third time in school history. Uh, they led by as many as 10 to 12, dominated this game, led it from, from start to finish. Uh, man, kudos to them because they got blown out by Tennessee over the weekend and bounced back on a big win at Rupp Arena uh, to get back on the winning track and to get the first SEC win for new head coach Lamont Paris. Uh, what a fun game that was to watch while I was waiting to record this show. Uh, but nevertheless, kudos to the men's basketball team at South Carolina. What a what a big win uh, for them. Folks, that's been the show this week. Uh, we are going to have more playoff football talk in the coming weekend, uh, or, or next week's show, I should say. We'll have the divisional round upon us, and next week's wrestling show, uh, or wrestling portion of the show, will feature a fantasy WWE WrestleMania booking and we're going to get a little bit into the conversation about what PJ and I, Steven and I alluded to earlier. There has been a shakeup uh, once again at the head of World Wrestling Entertainment. And uh, we will speculate on what that might mean uh, for the company moving forward. Hopefully you enjoyed us talking about Wrestle Kingdom 17. And hopefully you enjoyed the football talk here in the main event. Stay tuned next week. Once again, Fantasy Booking WrestleMania and wild or a divisional round weekend in the NFL. Uh, stay tuned next week uh, for PJ Steven. It's your guy, Bully Rye, for tap outs and touchdowns. Thanks again for being here, and I'll be around.